there is that whole kind of underdog story with the Lions a bit, and there is that kind of they are like a flagship of the game going national. And welcome to episode number 76 of A Yank on the Footy. I'm Craig Wessels from Sandusky, Ohio, and I'm glad you're listening. In just a moment, we're going to be jumping into my discussion with big-time Brisbane Lions supporter Tim O'Hare. But before we dive into the episode, I wanted to uh, encourage all of you who are listening, checking out the podcast, to sign up for the mailing list for the podcast. There's a link for it in the show notes. You can sign up answering a couple of questions And whenever I release a new episode, and there's going to be a lot of them coming up in the next few days, you'll get that episode in your email first before anybody else. I post it, I copy a link, it goes in your email, bingo, bango, bongo, you got it right away. I'd also truly appreciate it if you'd be so kind as to share a link to the episode on your fav- or your favorite episode with your friends and family on social media. That'd be great. Certainly help to uh, grow the uh, podcast throughout Australia as well as here in the United States. And what's been really interesting over the last... Uh, couple of weeks typically i've been around 61 61 and a half percent of the listeners have been in australia well that has crept back a little bit by a couple of percentage points well not really a couple it's still a little over 60 percent but the listenership in the united states has bumped up to over 34 percent so more than a third of the listeners are now in the united states and i'm i'm so thrilled that, that the folks here in the states are listening so Glad that you're on. Uh, Thanks for checking it out. Also want to let you know that uh, recently I opened up my uh, Buy Me a Coffee page. It's a similar site to Patreon. It allows uh, fans of the podcast or blogs to support the creator of the show or the blog, that sort of thing, if they'd like to do that sort of thing. Any of the funds that come in for that are going to go right back into the podcast, upgrading software, um, podcast hosting sites, things of that nature. also, if you're interested in any kind of uh, gear for the, uh, the podcast, uh, my store page is open on Redbubble. There's a link to both of these items in the show notes. You can check that out. I actually did make a couple of sales this week. I want to thank somebody who I'm going to be talking to here very shortly. I know who they were. I'd like to thank them for picking up a shirt. They are the first person to buy a shirt from the storefront. So, pretty thrilled about that. So, if you're interested at all, by all means, check it out. And, ladies and gentlemen, I'm thrilled to be joined again by Lions supporter, big Lions supporter, Tim O'Hare. Tim was able to come on and uh, talk with me last fall about the, uh, the trade period, about the, uh, the draft with the, uh, the Lions, and, and he's been kind enough to come back on and talk about uh, the 2020 season here. So, Tim, I thank you for coming on, sir, and getting up so early in the morning. Thank you. Oh, well, it, it's only 9 a.m. Uh, here in Australia, so not well, too bad. It's not too bad. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm usually at work by 6, so I, uh, <laughs> I, I, 9, I'm ready to go home. So, you know, you are a supporter of one of the clubs that I think people, you could say, is one of the trendy picks to possibly be playing finals this year. I mean, they're, they're, a, they're a club that has, I think has some pretty high expectations. Yeah, two things there is 
I get the sense that the Lions, uh, even going back to our Fitzroy days, the Lions have always kind of been everyone's second team. Uh, I think, I, I don't know what it was, whether it was like, even when Fitzroy was shit, they'd still have uh, these games against Collingwood, uh, which would, you know, have a lot of spectators in Melbourne. And I think, um, you know, every Aussie hates Collingwood, uh, except the legion of Collingwood supporters. So I think there's always been this bit of a soft spot for the Lions. But uh, talking more to, specifically to the present day, I, yeah, I, I agree. I think... Um, I'm going into this season uh, with huge excitement. I'm actually contemplating uh, buying a Lions membership for the first time in my life. And I, I live in Sydney, so I, I live uh, in another state uh, to the Lions, but I, I'm contemplating it. I think on paper, uh, the Lions have never looked better. But of course, uh, we've still got a season to play out. And the, the other thing is, I think really um the expectation is on the lions probably for the first time in a good decade uh i mean i think like 2019 as the narrative goes they kind of took the afl world by storm no one saw the lions rise in 2019 coming uh except caroline wilson i'll credit her with that uh and then uh 2020 uh the conventional wisdom was that the Lions would do a Melbourne and they'd fall back. But the Lions uh, really answered their critics and they had two top two finishes in consecutive years. Right. And now this is the third time. We're no longer that, you know, inexperienced team. We've now played the last two finals. Uh, we now really have no excuses. Uh, it's, it's, Full tilt to the premiership, I think. Well, and and I, I and I think you're exactly right. And I was just I was going to mention there. You know, Melbourne kind of did a Melbourne and fell back a little bit last year, just you know, missing out on finals there. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, I. You said that that that, that Brisbane the Lions tend to be everybody's second favorite club, uh, and that's. You know, I, I think you know that, that in that case, you know, you you've got a situation where you have you know the nine clubs that are in, in Melbourne, you know, I don't think that any self-respecting supporter of a club in Melbourne can say, well, yeah, one of the other clubs in town is my second favorite club. Cause you'll never, I don't think you'll ever hear the end of it from your friends. Yeah. It's a difficult thing. I'm not sure. I, I agree. I'm not sure if you're allowed to, you know, list your second team and list the teams in order one to 18 right, kind right. Of thing, in terms of what you like. It's more, well, I think, um, so the Lions, when they won in 2001 uh, against Essendon, I think, like, Essendon were the big bad bullies at the time. I mean, Essendon were with James Hurd, Matthew Lloyd, uh, Damien Hardwick, now the Richmond coach. Essendon were really just about, like, they looked to be the team of a generation, Essendon in 2001. And the Lions were the underdogs, and they beat Essendon. And I honestly think every neutral supporter at the MCG that day would have been going for the Lions because, because of that whole thing of, you know, let's beat the bullies. So the Lions were that underdog team uh, fighting against this big Melbourne club like Essendon, right, right. which 
have won the most premierships, uh, equal to Carlton. So, yeah, there was that. And then I think the following two years, playing against Collingwood, yeah, okay, so, you know, Collingwood's got a similar thing to Essendon. I mean, uh, so I think a lot of non-Collingwood supporters in Victoria would have been barracking for the Lions. So even Essendon fans from the year before would possibly have been barracking for Brisbane over Collingwood because Essendon people hate Collingwood. So there, there is that whole kind of underdog story with the Lions a bit, and there is that kind of... They are like a flagship of the game going national, of the game going national. Yeah. And Absolutely. So as you're looking at 2021, you know, there've been a lot of changes. There've been a lot of, you know, things that could pay off very handsomely for the club this year. We were talking off air about, uh, you know, the inclusion of Joe Danaher in the side and he had a monster uh, practice match. Here's hoping, you know, if, if you're a Brisbane fan, here's hoping that that is a harbinger of things to come that, that, you know, he could easily go out there and, and kick 60, 70 goals this year because he tends to be a little bit more accurate than some of the other guys that are in the forward 50 with the Lions, which has been a problem for them in the past, putting it between the, the correct pair of sticks. Uh, but uh, it, it has been a problem. But, I mean, I think in the last two year, two home and away seasons, the Lions were just about the highest point scorers or the right. – like, like, I mean, overall points. Right. Uh, so, like, even, like, their goals plus behinds, they were still ahead of most of the other teams. But right. I, I agree, because, it might have cost and them I, a couple of And I think one of the things there is, is that they were so, they were so good offensively. They're, they're, I don't know if you're following the AFLW this year, but they're, they're, to me, they're a lot, they were a lot like Fremantle has been in the AFLW this year, where they're, they're getting the ball and they're getting it inside the forward 50 repeatedly lots and lots of times so they're taking lots of shots on goal so yeah that's that worked that's worked out great for them but yeah having adding him to your forward line i think it is if he's healthy is just going to be it's going to be huge for that club yeah i mean i listened to uh, a brisbane lions podcast uh the raw deal um with dom fay and mike whiting and i think they uh they do talk about how you got to be careful with missing pieces. I mean, uh, I think it has been conventional wisdom pretty much since Jonathan Brown retired that the Lions needed an elite uh, key forward. And we finally got that in Danaher. Uh, so, But you've got to be careful with this whole missing pieces kind of uh, way of thinking. But I do think AFL That's more good. so... Uh, so, the, well, I mean, the other big uh, football code in Australia really is rugby league, uh, which which I, I follow. Um, and I'd, I'd say AFL more so than rugby league, uh, the missing pieces thing works a bit more because, I mean, rugby league is played in a straight line. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure the capacity one player has to really take a team to a premiership. Where um, And, well, I think... Um, I think generally that would be the case with AFL is no one player takes it, takes a team to the premiership. But if you look at the Lions, obviously we've got a good back line led by Harris Andrews. Uh, we've got a great midfield with Lockie Neal. Uh, our forward line 
it really does feel like in this specific case we need uh we were just that one missing piece away right from right story. so how do you know and i'm, I'm going to start out with the the glass being half empty first rather than half full how are you going to know if this is an unsuccessful year let's start with the negative then we'll go to the positive that's a good question and i i think um i should say it's not the answer you want but i should say that just with last year uh and the coronavirus really that has changed a whole lot of how we view expectations and everything in a, in the afl because last season like gone are the days where you can really uh do a ladder predictor and have confidence that the external circumstances in uh march are going to be holding up in september i mean we had a whole raft of changes to the season uh which advantaged some teams and didn't advantage uh, uh, and disadvantaged others last season so i will just say that on the outset it is very difficult uh, to really come up with what the pass mark for the Lions is. But it is something I've thought about myself. I mean, I think, uh, as I say, 2019, we didn't really... Our pass mark was just to get better, really. And we right. definitely overachieved. No one would have said top two was the pass mark. I would say maybe 14th was the pass mark two years ago. And okay. we hit the ground running 2020 again probably not top two given all the circumstances that were going on the probably maybe making the eight was um the pass mark last year just to be able to maintain that finals experience but yeah i, I do think i hasten to use the term pass mark but i do think like in the long run, we will view this year as wasted if we don't progress beyond. <laughs> I, I'm struggling to remember the finals names because they probably confuse you as a yank. Yeah. But what is it? Basically, the semi-final, the last final yeah, in which uh, you got the first round of finals and the semis and the prelims and then the grand final. Yeah. Okay, prelim, so prelim prelims. is right before the grand. Yeah, prelims are the final four. Okay, so yeah. we got knocked out by the Cats uh, last year. No hard feelings, but <laughs> um, I, I think in order to say we've gotten better, we've got to win a prelim. But in saying that, I'm not going to go on record and act as though, like, you know, the season's a failure. Chris Fagan should be sacked if we don't win a prelim. It's like, yeah, well, no, I, I think the trajectory has been very good. But right. in, say, five years' time, when Chris Fagan might have stepped down, when Dane Zorko might have retired, we will be looking back on this period as wasted if we haven't progressed beyond the prelim final. Okay. So on the flip side of that, then, what, how do you know that it's a successful season? And then you kind of answered it. You kind of answered yeah. that, but you know, you know, do you think you, you have to, you have to get to the grand final then is, is successful for you then? Basically. Yeah, I, I think so. I okay. think. Okay. And, that, and that's fair enough. And I, and I think that there, yeah, I've been working on my ladder predictor, you know, not, not the, the thing online, but just my, 
my predicted ladder, what I think is going to happen. And, uh, you know, there are, you know, four or five teams that, that could be, I think, legitimately playing in the grand final this year, maybe six. And, I, and I'm still working on finalizing that. I had one club that I had committed to putting in finals this year, and I think they're still going to be there. So I plugged them in at number eight, and I've built above and below them from there. But that's going to come out later on. So what do you You'll think? You'll have to send it to me. I'm well, it'll, it'll, be, it'll be one that I'll put out in, in an episode. So I'll have that on there. But, yeah, I, I think you'll be, you'll be pleasantly surprised where I have the Lions this year. Uh, I do have them already placed on the, on the list, so on the ladder. So. I'm not going to yeah, tell you right I'll, now. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's it's difficult to look too far ahead, but and I've got to remove my biases, but I feel like to an impartial observer, you'd have to say that the best two teams coming into this year are Richmond and Brisbane. Well, I hope you're wrong on one of those because <laughs> – because my team mortgaged an awful lot of the future to try to get there this year. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. actually, that's a good point with Geelong. Yeah, we'll uh, see what happens with them. I mean, I know we're here to talk about the Lions, but I suppose, yeah, Geelong, it's very much like putting all chips on the table yes. for this yes. year. And it's like the recruitment of Jeremy Cameron is huge. But my concern with Geelong is. Because I, I think I told you, if I did, uh, if I did, I apologise for going into this again. But I watched uh, the grand final with a Richmond supporter, uh-huh. and at, uh, like not uh, not at the MCG, just on right, TV right. in Sydney. We're at a pub, and at half time, he was half serious about going home because it wow. looked like Geelong had Richmond on the ropes. Yeah, but yeah. Richmond are a younger and fitter side, and I yeah. think they ran Geelong um, over in the second half. I think you're Um, right, yeah. But I'm concerned, though, Geelong have then responded to that by recruiting guys like Isaac Smith in his 30s, Sean Higgins, Jeremy Cameron. I'm not sure if that's going to save them uh, if that situation was repeated. And uh, Richmond are surging in late. I'm not sure if those older guys are really going to save them. Right, yeah. And we'll have to see what happens then, yeah. So... We're going to have to see what happens with that. But, you know, it's uh, – what do you – if you were uh, predicting what the newspaper headlines in Brisbane were going to look like, you know, for, for the season, um, what do you think that the, the big headline for the Brisbane season is going to be? If you were, write, if you were writing a headline for the paper. <laughs> the lion roars. Okay. Know. Okay. Um, I, I mean – I should clarify, I, I moved to Sydney uh, in early 2019. So this whole Lions rise, uh, I, I've been watching it from afar, if you right. will. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, in 2018, I went to, I think, every home and away game but two for the Lions when I was okay. living in Brisbane. Uh, so I did watch the developing young side. I have watched players like... Jared Berry, Hugh McCluggage, Cameron Rayner, up close and personal. But uh, their actual success and their finals experience, I've generally been watching from afar. So I'm not – like the conventional wisdom is that the rugby league makes the front page of the sports section in Queensland. 
Uh, I'm not sure how much that has changed since the Lions have started to rise. And conversely, the Broncos have started to fall. Okay. So, uh, who are you the most excited about seeing coming into the side this year? And I know you, you said that, you know, one player may, you know, isn't necessarily going to make the difference, but who are you most excited to see wearing Brisbane colors this year? Um, I might go with a, a left field one actually, um, and say a fellow by the name of Eli Smith. Do you okay. know, uh, Eli Smith at all? I have not heard that name. I'm still, I'm still reading up on a lot of, uh, a lot of players and that and that type of thing. So let me know. I'm looking at his picture right now here. Let me. Okay. So Eli Smith is yet to debut. Okay. Um, I actually met him. Um, he got drafted in late 2018. I met him at the time. I, I was still living uh, in Brisbane and uh, I chatted to him briefly. Uh I think what was basically his first club function uh, since getting drafted. And I said to him, when, when the media came up to him, he looked like a very shy guy. He didn't really look that comfortable, uh, to be honest, talking to the media when he got drafted. And I asked him about that. Uh, it might've been a bit too blunt on my behalf, but he, he conceded to me. He said he did not think he would go in the first round. He had no, like, I think he was on holidays at the time. And then the Lions used their first round draft pick on him in 2018. So this guy has, he, he was what you'd call like a smoky in the draft where he right. came out of nowhere. Right. Uh, and then he had, uh, he came into the side, you know, like he, he joined the club late 2018. His first season was 2019. That was the year, as I say, where we shot from nobodies to, right. uh, you know, top two, uh, to a top two team. So suddenly selection was very difficult. I would argue that if Eli Smith had been drafted to almost any other club, including Richmond, because they've got an older list, I think there would have been more of an emphasis on playing the kids. But for the first year in a while... We weren't playing the kids anymore. There was real competition for spots. Right, and so Eli right. Smith has yet to debut, but uh, a sign of how well he was progressing last year, uh, they got to take 26 players interstate. Mm -hmm. uh, so they could only take a squad of 26. Eli Smith was always in the squad. Okay. Uh, so the Lions traveled. Uh, he would be in that final four that was selected who were just like, so you take the squad and if say, you know, Dane Zorko doesn't pull up that well after the flight, right, someone right. like Eli Smith was on hand to come into the side. Exactly. And yep. fortunately there weren't uh, those injuries uh, or, or those sudden side changes. So Eli Smith didn't get to play, but he was damn close last year. And, from all reports, I mean, he played in the practice match against the Suns, and from yeah. all reports, this guy is very much on the cusp of selection. I, I'm excited to see. Him that's terrific. So, you know, uh, let me ask you this: You said you, you, you know, when you were still in Brisbane, you got to all the games. What's, what's your, what is your favorite food at the grounds? What's, what, what's your go-to snacks that you have there? Beer. Just beer, okay. 
any any other carbohydrates or just beer yeah like to be <laughs> honest i don't um yeah i don't tend to eat that much okay. uh, during the game okay um, i tend to be more into getting a pub feed before or after a game but um when like so i watched the lions GW, uh, gws versus the lions here in sydney and they had those uh potatoes on a stick you know those curled potatoes okay yeah i had one one of those uh which i don't think they have at the gabba i don't think i've ever seen them at the gabba but here in sydney they were selling those okay. at the game. so your 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 pub food then what would you what would you be having to eat there before you before you headed to the the game then what would you well i love just, a good what, what's that sir just just curious because you know it's you know a lot of people have uh things that are kind of traditional that they, you know, that, you know, they have to have the same thing before a game or they have to wear the same shoes or I didn't know if it was the well, same meal. Before I have game. to wear my, my Fitzroy scarf. That's okay. my tradition. But um, no, I actually, that sort of, um, that raises an interesting point. Cause as I said, I moved in 2019 and then I came back. Uh, I think it was around about mid year. I was visiting family in Brisbane and I went to a game with my dad and we own we were going to a pub we we're going to a steakhouse the Norman and we only allowed like an hour before the game uh mm. because I'd I'd been to the Norman heaps of times back in 2018 when the Lions were cellar dwellers and okay. you know you can easily get a feed it's right near the Gabba Okay. But we go mid-2019 when the Lions were top of the table or second on the table, and I could barely get into the pub. It was it, it was it was that packed. Yeah. So there was no way I was eating there. But a steak at the Norman is great, or I, I'm shouting out to the local Gabba restaurants, but uh, the brew house, do some good burgers or some pork, okay. pork on a bun yeah. or a Reuben. Oh, yeah. Uh, not very traditional, more American stuff. That's okay. Nothing wrong with that at all. So who do you think is going to be uh, Brisbane's best and fairest this year? It's difficult to go past Lockie Neal. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, How about Interestingly, um, that Brisbane Lions podcast, I watched, they, they rated Joe Danaher best on ground in that practice match against the Suns. Right, right. Uh what I understand is there's been some very minor injury concerns for Lockie Neal in preseason, which is very normal for a player getting into his late 20s. It's very normal uh, to have a modified preseason at that stage. I doubt it's going to have any bearing, but right, yeah, right. we're yet to see Lockie Neal hit his full straps in the preseason. And I, he might have, I didn't watch the full game, but he might have even had modified game time. Okay. Uh, but. Uh, yeah, I think definitely Lockie Neal. Um, I think he's head and shoulders above the other midfielders. I think Hugh McCluggage uh, looks to be a great player. Uh, oh, he's already getting to be a good player, and he looks like he'll be a great player for many years to come. Right, right. But I, I think it provided Lockie Neal is free from injury, I can't see anyone going past him. Okay, now how do you th who's who's going to be the leading goal scorer this year? I mean, you got several you got several options now. It's a good question. Um, look, 
the obvious answer would be Joe Danaher, I feel. Right, right. Just because he's going to be the major forward target. But then at the same time, if he's not kicking goals, that doesn't mean he's not functioning in the side because Joe, Joe Danaher could be a decoy for mm-hmm. Eric Hipwood. So Eric Hipwood, uh, really unlucky in his, you know, he's still such a young guy. Right, But right. for a long time, Eric Hipwood was having the best defender from the opposition on him every single game. Uh, and I, I think that it, that would have obviously made Eric Hipwood a better player, having to step up to that standard. But now, if you've got the best defender, if you've got, say, Dylan Grimes at Richmond uh, playing on uh, Eric uh, on Joe Danaher, Eric Hipwood's suddenly going to be freed up. So uh, I, I think I put Eric Hipwood in my super coach team. I think he could okay. really uh, kick a lot. Uh, yeah. And then the third option would be Charlie Cameron. Yeah, that's who I was thinking him too. Up. Yeah, I mean, it, for the last two years, that that could this could really benefit him tremendously. You know, could, could because in a way, if you stop and think about it, Brisbane and Geelong are both in a way trying to emulate what Richmond's been doing with Jack Rewalt and Tom Lynch, and you know, having you know, having Dusty being in there, you're cleaning up the mess and kicking goals from all sorts of different angles. You've got you know, Richmond's got Dusty. You've got Charlie Cameron there. You know, he's certainly a poor man's version of both of those. You know, I, th- I think, you know, in, I'm just in quick, quickly here, I, I think Brian Myers could have a significant year with the Cats be- because of all the attention getting paid to Hawkins and, and Cameron. I think that could be just – he could have a crazy year this year for, for him. Yeah, sure. I, yeah. I mean – I wouldn't say Charlie Cameron's a poor man's Dustin Martin or anything. I'd say they're incomparable. I mean, I think right, we talked right. about it before. Uh, Charlie Cameron is more in the Eddie Betts, Toby Green type small forward mold. Oh, come on. Char- Charlie's not that dirty of a player. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, in skill. Yeah. Well, I, I know what you meant. I know. <laughs> so... You know, I know you. I, I was looking at your schedule, and you know, you have you know the teams that you you're playing twice this year. You you've got Fremantle, you've got Gold Coast, which is you know I think that's great for Queensland to have those two teams playing twice. I think that's maybe not a bad idea to have both of them playing twice every year, just to start to maybe hopefully develop that rivalry there. But then you well, got that happens every year. Yeah. Uh, just like the Crows will always play Port Adelaide twice. Okay. Uh, West okay. Coast and Fremantle will yeah. always play each other. Because then you got you've got Collingwood twice, Richmond twice, and Geelong twice this year. So yeah, got, that that's a tall order. Um, yeah, those three. Yeah, that's gonna um, be that's gonna be you know, and, and it's gonna be interesting to see what happens with Collingwood too, because that 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 could either go, they could rally the troops, or it could just you know the wheels could come off. I don't know what's gonna happen there. I think actually, now that I think of it, there were like there were three teams last year that beat the Lions. Mm-hmm. Uh, that they were Hawthorne, Geelong, and Richmond, and the Lions managed to get even with uh, Richmond in the first week of finals. Right, uh, right. But we lost to Geelong twice in one in home and away, one in finals. Yeah. And we never got a follow up match with Hawthorne. But yeah, I think um, I think Geelong. Well, Richmond were the big bully. We answered our critics by beating Richmond. Right, right. Uh, But now the attention has to be turned to Geelong. I think 
Uh, yeah, despite what I said, yeah, I was probably unfair to not include them uh, oh, I, it, in the top premiership. Me. I think, yeah, they'd definitely be in the three with Brisbane yeah. and Richmond. Geelong uh, seemed very potent. Uh, we actually talked before uh, last time about the Lions struggle uh, a bit with Geelong because Geelong are so much more bigger bodied in the midfield. I mean, our guys, Lockie Neal, Dane Zorko, they're little athletic guys. Right, right. They struggle against big bodies like Patrick Dangerfield, Mitch Duncan, Joel right. Selwood. Right. Uh, I pose to you, uh, as a Nakaya Cockatoo fan, I pose to you, could Nakaya Cockatoo be the answer for Brisbane? But he might I've be. Got, he might be. I've got follow-up, though, on that. And it's interesting. It's it's not a disappointment, but it seems like Nakaya Cockatoo is actually... Chris Fagan's actually looking to play Nakaya Cockatoo as halfback, not as midfield. Wow. Well, I... Uh, yet, you know, I could... He is a bit of a tackling machine. So, I mean, I, I could see that happening. I, I... You know, with as many scores as Brisbane has... You know, I, I could definitely see Chris Fagan saying to him, anytime you see a guy in the other Guernsey, you know, other Guernsey that's got the ball in his hand, put him on the ground. You know, I could see just, you know, just go get him. That that makes sense. You know, just to, you know, to, to try just to try to release him on on other clubs. That's I hadn't heard that, but that 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 wouldn't surprise me to see him playing back there. Yeah, well, it, it's interesting to me just how versatile uh, these players are. I think I looked on Supercoach and you can't even pick uh, Nakaya Cockatoo as a back because he's never played back right, in his right. AFL career. But I think he's, he's absolutely capable of doing it. And yeah. uh, he's generally been a midfield slash forward. But um, that's not uncommon, particularly for a guy of his size. I'd say he's... In the AFL standard, he's about mid-size. So right. I think he can play uh, pretty much any position, any any part of the ground he could play. Uh, and it is interesting because the Lions, I think, have really wanted that speed on halfback. Uh, they've had Alex Witherden, a young player, rising up there. Um, unfortunately, Witherden didn't fit into the side uh, last year. They... They picked, uh, they've had Noah Answorth, another young guy. Uh, and last year they had uh, recruited Calamar Chi, and he was playing a bit uh, in that halfback position. But it'd be mm-hmm. interesting if we found that halfback we're looking for in a non traditional halfback like Nikaya Cockatoo. Yeah, I think, I think that I think he could have a really good year for you. Now, I had a. Uh... Um, you know, first of all, I wanted to ask you, you know, you kind of mentioned your top four already. You kind of alluded to all of them and, and such. Who do, you, who do you see taking the wooden spoon this year? It's a good question. I've seen some people uh, predict Adelaide. And, yeah, I think it's true. Adelaide haven't really gotten better. Um, the other contender would be North Melbourne. Uh, North Melbourne have traded out a lot of their players. And mm-hmm. then, uh, well, can... Funnily enough, they've got the uh, former Lions GM, uh, David Noble, now as coach, which was a real left-field decision, uh, which I applaud. Like, yeah. good on North Melbourne uh, for getting David Noble in. But um, I suppose it'd be interesting if David Noble's career at North Melbourne sort of follows Chris Fagan's, and it's like 
Chris Fagan's first year at the Lions, uh, on the surface, it looked like we went backwards. We went from 17th the year before Chris Fagan came to 18th uh, the year that Chris, Fag Chris Fagan's first year. So you'd be curious if a similar thing happens with North Melbourne. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't begrudge North Melbourne if they just play the kids this year, finish 18th, just not worry about uh, wins and losses right, and right. just get that those games into the youngsters. And I yeah. think they could be good in years to come. So and possibly North Melbourne for the wooden spoon. And this is one of those, this is one of those instances where I think North Melbourne would not, not mind the idea if the AFL had a mid season trade period, like the NFL, the NBA, major league baseball, because if they find themselves locked in at the bottom of the ladder, some team out there might be, begging to have a quality ruck step get step in for them and they could they could you know turn around and trade you know todd goldstein for a bunch of picks to help to accelerate their turnaround you know but the, you know they don't have that sort of thing you know in the you know in the afl i think that would be interesting if they had that sort of thing happening but uh that's I, I'm, I'm very against it um yeah i mean plan movement is inevitable but i like the whole idea unlike the rugby league which has people changing jerseys midweek it seems in the okay. afl i like the period that there's this dedicated trade period yeah uh it gets a lot of coverage there's a lot of speculation and then after that period you look at your team you look at your new list and you get excited for the new year and i, I like that routine so it's like now that we've got these players in i want to see how they go right right i don't want any of them to leave until the year is out, then we reevaluate the list. Okay. Well, I, I had before we wrap up. I know you got something you got to be doing today as well. Yet, before we wrap up, I had a couple Brisbane trivia questions I wanted to ask you. I love trivia. Okay. Well, let's. I don't. Hopefully, these are you know these are right in your wheelhouse. Okay. And I one of them I wrote down. I'm thinking to myself, why did you put that question down there? But so I added another there, there one here. There was a period of the Lions where. I, I got to sadly confess, I stopped watching for a period. So, uh -oh. look, I might be exposed for my ignorance, but you know, I'll, I'll take that penance uh, if if that's what comes. <laughs> okay. Well, here's here here's the first one. Uh, before Lockie Neal, who was the last lion to lead the comp in disposals? It was in two thousand and four. Simon Black. Nigel Lappin. Oh. Uh, I, I hadn't heard his name until I looked this up here, but we're going to go back to the Brisbane Bears. He was good. He was yeah. like a, a Jared Lyons type figure. Okay. He was overshadowed by your, your Voss, your Ackermanis, your yeah. uh, Simon Black, but Lappin, Lappin was a solid workhorse. Okay. Who was the last leading goal kicker of the Brisbane Bears in 1996? It's a name I had heard before, so it's a name that's still out there in the game. 1996. Okay. So just trying to think who their forwards were. I mean, they would have had uh, Roger Merritt, but Roger Merritt would have retired by 1996. Um, was it? No, it would have been Alistair Lynch. Yes, it was. <laughs> yes, it was. My all-time favorite player. There you go. Absolutely right. Yep. Okay. Now, the uh, 
The Lions had back-to-back Brownlow winners in 2001 and 2002. You mentioned one of them already. Who was the other one? Well, I actually mentioned both of them. 2001 was Jason Ackermanis. 2002 oh, yes, you're right. You did, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. I have two more questions for you before we finish up here. Sure. After Jonathan Brown with 594 goals, who is second on the Lions list? Alistair Lynch. Daniel Bradshaw. Oh, wow. To yeah. With I mean, with Lynch, he played for Fitzroy, Brisbane Bears, and Brisbane Lions. Does that all count? With I get Lynch? it. Must. I, I didn't dig that deeply into it, so... <laughs> So that could that could be on me. We'll give you a partial credit for that one. <laughs> I, I I could believe that. I mean, Bradshaw was a good kind of second fiddle during yeah. uh, the premiership years. And here's the last one. We know who the leading super coach point scorer was for Brisbane last year. That was Lockie Neal. Who scored the second most super coach points last year for Brisbane players? Off of Brisbane players. Yes. Look, I'm not overly familiar with Supercoach, just getting into it. Okay. But I'm gonna I'm gonna say a left field one. I'm gonna say Oscar McInerney just because of that positional switch into okay. the ruck. I think that would have uh, seen his super vote uh, coach votes skyrocket. He was number five. Uh Jared Lyons was number two. Jared Lyons oh, well, was number two. Oh, that's consistent with the best and fairest. It was yeah. Lockie Neal on Jared Lyons, too. There we go. Cool. So, you did pretty well on this. The one, the one that I wrote down here, and I don't know, I, it must have been because the, uh, must have had the same person since then, but I had written down who, were the cl- who was the club's leading goal kicker for the years of 2014 and 2015. And I... Yeah, so I don't know if you if that's one I had there from. I didn't ask you that one before, so you know. Uh, uh, why didn't you ask it? I don't know. I don't know because I'm oh, old. Okay. I forget I, things. <laughs> I'm gonna take a guess and say Dane Zorko. I know Dane Dane Zorko was very effective before Hipwood uh, in the forward line, and then Dane Zorko sort of went more into the middle. It was somebody by the name of Josh Green. Oh. That was the period I tuned out of the Lions, regrettably. Uh, See, that's, that's, that's why I was not asking you that question. Oh, I, I don't expect you to change the question <laughs> just so that I can win. <laughs> oh, no, I, I, didn't, I, I didn't know which, which years they were anyway, so I was, I'm, just, I'm just playing around there. So our, the last thing I'm going to ask before we wrap up, uh, how thrilled are you about having Chris Fagan as your senior coach? Very thrilled. Yeah. Uh, I think he he's a different type of coach to Lethal Lee. He's a lot more, um, right, for better or worse, he seems to be a more empathetic coach, a more uh, compassionate coach, a gentler coach, um, which seems to be, the again, for better or worse, that's the way the game is going. Uh, but by the sound of things, I mean... The recruitment of Lockie Neal uh, was just a once-in-a-generation thing in the fact that Chris Fagan got that. 
I think, uh, like Lockie Neal credits Chris Fagan with really getting him over the line. Uh, Joe Danaher has said that was very influential. So, yeah, I'm I'm absolutely thrilled. Uh, to the extent that the interesting thing with Fagan is he's such a mature age coach, and he's not a career coach. He says he'll never coach another team after Brisbane. Right. Uh, right. The only thing I have is this is a guy turning 60, I believe, is at some point he might want to retire. Like, unlike a lot of younger coaches who sort of uh, would be reluctant to give up their job in coaching because coaching is so hard to get. Mm-hmm. Chris Fagan, we don't know, but he may get to a, to a stage where he just he wants to retire and he doesn't really need to work anymore. And, yeah, my only concern would be, what's the succession plan? Because yeah. we don't have David Noble anymore. Like if, I mean, it's crude, but the old analogy you say is, well, if Chris Fagan got hit by a bus tomorrow, who would be the coach? I can't answer that. I think he's got a very good team around him, but there's no obvious successor. There's- and I think uh, so much of our success is based around Fagan and it would be very... Uh, as I said, the players he's got in, uh, it would be very difficult, uh, I think, to maintain that success without Fagan. So that's my only concern is um, what's the succession plan? He seems to be, just as, you know, from my observation, he seems to be a lot like a father-type figure in many ways with the players as opposed to just a coach. I mean, maybe maybe it's the gray hair, but, uh, you know, and, and... I have to say, I used to think 60 was old, but since I'm 57 right now, I don't think 60 is all that old anymore. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I, I think a lot of teams would love to have him, you know, if, if he was ever saying, yeah, I'll go, I'll go coach somewhere else. If that sort of thing was an option, I think a lot of teams would love to have him help raise, if you will, to help mature their young players. Now I think that there's, you know, I think that there's some some coaches out there that are going to do that same thing, that same sort of thing. But it's just, I, I think you guys have an absolute winner, you know, in terms of just the type of person he is. From what I've seen in interviews and such, he seems to be like a a, a terrific leader of the, of those men on that club. So I, that's kind of why I, I toss that question out there at the end because. I'm sure a number of coaches would love, a number of clubs would love to have him as coach, but I I do take him at his word that he's not a career coach like someone like uh, Ross Lyon or maybe Brad Scott was trying to be. He's not someone who's going to coach a range of clubs in his life. He's come into it late. Uh, This is going to be his big gig. Uh, He's fully committed to getting Brisbane to a premiership. Mm -hmm. And then after that, you think uh, as he gets older, he might step down. So that would be more of a concern of uh, him retiring. But I will say, Chris Fagan has already changed the mould. I mean, without Chris Fagan's success, both uh, North Melbourne would never have recruited David Noble, uh, both because David Noble, he was recruited partly because of his role with Mm -hmm. the Lions and because of that success, but also to what you're saying about that whole new mold of that mature age father figure coach that doesn't have a high profile. That's not an ex player like Nathan Buckley. Uh, 
you know, the father figure who knows the game very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Fagan, I think, has already changed that mold. Yeah, and I, and I think that, that his abilities as a coach, I think, you know, help them tremendously, even if it, even if it doesn't necessarily mean that they've got better, better players. It's just like the mindset of the players that they have is better in, in cases against, you know, against some clubs that they may be, they may be a little faster. They may tackle a little better. They may, you know, attack the, the forward 50 a little bit better than maybe other clubs would have done with a different coach. Cause they, they, they just, I think this is going to come out sounding wrong as well, but I, I think there's a, this is going to come out sounding really wrong. As a matter of fact, I think there's a, a genuine love affair between Chris Fagan and the list as a whole, they, they, I think they really, I think they love each other. I, from what I have seen, there's, there is a huge amount of respect. There's, there doesn't seem to be, you know, the angst or, you know, animosity that you might see between some players and coaches. I think they really love each other. I, I'd agree with that. Uh, it, it is startling just, just how committed and just, it's infectious, the happiness when you see players yeah. in interviews. Uh, I would actually say though, I, I don't know him very well, but uh, the situation at Port Adelaide when it looked like Ken Hinckley mm-hmm. might get the shot a year or so ago and right, then right. the players at Port Adelaide rallied around Ken Hinckley. I think there may be something similar there. That's a great point. That's a great point. And I'm actually talking with somebody from that's a, a Port Adelaide supporter here in the next couple of days as well. So somebody that I had on before. So, hey, I know you got stuff that you got to get done today. I appreciate you coming on. I, yeah, I'm, thanks. Ladies and gents, I want to thank Tim, o, Tim O'Hare, a huge Lions supporter, for coming on today and kind of talking about the uh, the upcoming season with the Lions. Tim, thanks so very much. I, I I wish the club best of luck this year, of course, I except for two games this year. I wish him best of luck except for two games this year. Okay. Well, maybe a third, uh, <laughs> possibly. But, hey, have a great <laughs> afternoon, okay? Thanks, Craig. You it's bet. a pleasure to be here. You bet. Thanks a bunch. Uh-huh. I'll talk to you soon. Thank <laughs> you. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed that discussion with Tim O'Hare. Tim is a is a very passionate Lions supporter. You know, it's uh, it's too bad he doesn't get to see more of the Lions games in person. I, if I'm not mistaken, the Lions do not go to Sydney this year, if I read the uh, the fixture correctly. Uh, but I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you'll uh, consider, again, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, signing up for the email list. There's a link in the show notes. You know, Check out the uh, Buy Me a Coffee page. Check out the storefront if there's something you're interested in. And by the way, if you happen to buy one of those uh, stickers or anything like that, you know, send me a picture because I would love to put it out there on social media and show everybody that, uh, that you're repping the podcast. I'd greatly appreciate it. Thanks so much. Also, if you've got an idea for a show topic or if you know somebody that you think would be a great guest or maybe it's you, feel free to send me a DM on Twitter or shoot me an email. I'd love to hear from you. And ladies and gentlemen, remember, you can find all the episodes for the podcast at yankofthefooty.podbean.com. You can also find it on your favorite podcast provider. All the episodes are located on my YouTube channel as well. Just search for my name, Craig Wessels. And now that you've listened, I hope you'll consider giving me a review on Apple Podcast. If you like what I'm doing, give me a great review. You know, if I need some work, you know, maybe shoot me an email rather than uh, putting it out there on Apple. But if you if that's where you want to do it, by all means, go ahead and do so. 
uh, lets uh, me know how I'm doing, lets the podcast host know what's going well as well. Don't forget that you can reach me at yankotherfooty at gmail.com, as well as on Twitter at yank underscore on, and on Facebook and Instagram at yankotherfooty. And you can also find the podcast, like I said, on my YouTube channel by searching my name, Craig Wessels, and get that name on that email list there so you get the podcast right away as soon as it comes out. I try to get as many episodes as I can out and released either during like the morning drive time or the afternoon drive time coming home or taking public transportation, whatever the case may be, in the Melbourne area. Because it's kind of, you know, the, the eastern part of the country is where much of the footy world is in terms of the AFL. So I, tr- I try to get most of the episodes out around that time. And if you're on the email list, you're going to have it there for the, the car ride home or for the, the train ride or whatever, or however you get yourself to and from work. So, ladies and gents, I want to thank you for listening. Because while we're fans of our teams, we're just a couple of weeks away from the season actually getting started with the AFL, the men's competition. The women's competition is going like gangbusters. I've only had a chance to watch a couple of games so far this weekend, but I do plan on getting caught up on them. But I've been so impressed with what I've seen this year. It's been very, very exciting. And if you haven't checked out the women's game yet, you really should. And I know there are still four clubs out there that don't have your own club to call your own and and I can completely understand why you may not be as excited about the AFLW but the 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 level of play has improved tremendously this year okay there are still some clubs that are struggling my cats are struggling they play in just a few hours hopefully things go better tonight but some of the clubs if you did not know if it was the men's comp or the women's comp, you might be hard-pressed to, to tell which one's, which one's which because they move the ball so well. They work so well together. And, and I be, like I said, I've become more and more impressed with them every single week out. And Again, ladies and gentlemen, thanks so very much for listening. I do ask that you share the podcast with your friends and family. And may your dribble kick never hit the post. I will catch you later. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode number 76 of A Yank on the Footy. Don't forget that you can reach me at yank underscore on or at yankonthefooty at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at Yank on the Footy. Again, thanks for listening. Give it a share with your friends and family. And until next time, ladies and gentlemen, goodbye.